Hey, one quick thing before we get started. I just want to remind you that this podcast is for information, education, and entertainment. It is not a substitute for therapy or therapeutic intervention. If you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or contact a crisis hotline. Hey everyone, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you're listening to the Labors of Love podcast. Very excited to have the conversation with my guest today. She is an author, and we're going to get to talk about her work. I have with me Ashley Aya Ferguson. Hi, Ashley. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Excellent. So I'm going to start with you, like I do all of my guests, and ask, what is your labor of love? My labor of love is writing. Um, in all shapes and forms. <laughs> um, so I'm a content writer by day and I'm an author uh, of children's books currently, but it's really my dream to kind of write everything. I love writing. Most recently I got um, a certification to lead writing circles so I can help other people write. Um, so it really is my labor of love. I don't know what I would do if I didn't. <laughs> I, I love writing and I love that that is your labor of love. And I'm looking forward to talking about a lot of things with writing. So, well, tell us a little bit about your recent certification. Yeah, so um, it's called the, so I'm sorry, it's a mouthful, the Conscious Feminine Leadership Academy. And that CIFLA. is done through, yeah, CIFLA, mm-hmm. uh, Women Writing for a Change, which has been my writing home for probably the last seven years that's really weird to say wow um but it's a great place I've definitely flourished there um as a woman as a writer um and so it it was a process in which really had to quiet down slow down and understand how to basically use writing to have a conversation with myself and then facilitate that in other people um, so it, it it wasn't necessarily writing for publication, writing for competition. It's writing almost, I don't want to say for therapy, because I don't know anything about therapy, but it's um, just writing to get the words out. And then what you do with them after that is up to you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So um, last year, a little bit before this time, but let's say fall, um, I had a decision to make and that was whether I was going to do C-Flow or whether I was going to do my coaching for healing, justice and liberation and CHJL won out. Um, but yeah, so I, I, um, did not quite as long as you, but I would say for a few years, women writing for a change was a place where, um, I really recognize that my written voice has as much power as my speaking voice. I'm mm-hmm. very comfortable and confident in my speaking voice. That's why y'all get an episode every week. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, my I use my voice in every capacity that I work, you know, whether it's a speaking engagement, a training, you know, one-on-ones with folks. Uh, but I really do appreciate my time with women writing because it, it really, that's my very first uh, semester there. I remember 
ending saying I fell in, this is where I fell in love with my, my voice, my written voice. So I can very that much appreciate beautiful. that. Yeah. It so. really affirms. Yeah. The decision that I made to do it because, you know, I, I always thought it was just a wonderful place. And so my, one of my goals is to get more people that look like me there. So the fact that you, you knew about it and that you had the same feeling that, or a very similar feeling that I had, um, and being there, that really makes me feel good to hear that. I, I yeah, I, I'm glad I was able to share that. And also, it it's one of those experiences that I had that helped me make some decisions for myself in regards to. Um, I have had a a very consistent experience over the last twenty or so years, which is I've been that though I was raised and grew up in mostly black environments since undergrad I've been navigating mostly white environments and I have come across so many amazing communities models groups different things but one of those things is like um I need people who look like me also engaging Mm -hmm. in this process and so now I make some decisions based on is this something I want to pioneer (laughs) Do I want to be yeah. the only until others come in? And there are some areas where I'm willing to do that. And there are some areas where I'm not, but That's I so think real. it's just worth saying, like, that is something that we engage with. So we don't even have to generalize, like, you know, let, let, let each black person who identifies as woman speak their own truth. But I just want to let y'all know it's a real thing. That it is so real. Yes. I did not have the language to say that, <laughs> but yes, it's like, do I want to pioneer this or do I want to just be a participant? And you do, you choose that every time you get involved in something that's, that is so real. So I just appreciate you for going forth with that process. I know for me, it was very much, you know, my CHJ program is all by pop. <laughs> so it was a space that I was like, Hey, I, I need to get settled. I need to settle my nervous system here. And, and do all of this. And I can very much appreciate that. Um, what emerges from every person I personally know who's gone through CIFLA though, it is this desire to expand and recreate what we receive in circle for mm-hmm. other people, because it's so transformative. I never knew that sitting in a circle and sharing your writing you know, it helped me clarify some words I now use to describe myself, which are storyteller and story holder. Um, mm. And so, or story listener, um, I don't actually hold them. I get rid of all that. <laughs> Not my job to hold it. <laughs> I can hold the space, but yeah. So I just really appreciate that. So for, before we go into what that transformation process looked like for you, Take us back to where writing began for you. Why is it such a passion and labor of love? Oh, for sure. So I am naturally introverted. I grew up with two older brothers. So in a pretty loud, busy house uh, where I was not often heard. And I remember my mom telling me, well, write a letter, you know, write down your feelings And I've been doing that ever since. So um, it's kind of where that processing for me takes place is on the page. And over time, you know, I've just kind of developed that craft to be able to do multiple things. So not just process, but also persuade, explain, um, share. So it's just a very powerful tool for me to communicate 
Um, so I'm so I'm really good at the writing voice and not as not as good at the speaking voice. I'm getting better, you know, with practice. <laughs> but writing is just it's just my space. It's like my planet where I I live a completely, you know, open, authentic, free life is is on the page. So um, I started, you know, writing in. I remember my mom gave me one of my journals when I was seven. That was probably when I started like falling in love with it. And I wasn't that good at it then, <laughs> of course, but I progressed over the year that I had the journal um, and just realized how safe of a place it was, you know, to communicate, to mess up, to to get better, to grow, to ask questions. Um, and yeah, just like I said, I've been doing that ever since. So when I was in middle school, I did Power of the Pen competitions, which was so much fun to me. It's like the spelling bee of essays. Um, mm -hmm. Super nerdy, but loved it. And then I remember, you know, getting older and my dad asking me, so what are you going to do? And I said, um, I'm going to write and I'm going to change the world. And it's going to be amazing. He's like, no, like, what are you going to do so that you can eat and take mm -hmm. care of yourself? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a different thing, I guess. Right. Um, I am going to need a job. And so we talked more about it and settled on the, the idea of magazine journalism because journalism is is a place where you can write um but you're telling stories for other people so when it came to you know actually getting a job that's what I pursued in college at Ohio University um was the best decision ever met lifelong friends there and got a real you know a, an amazing journalistic education that I still use today when it comes to research when it comes to fact checking when it comes to, you know, writing and putting things together, I, I'm glad that I had that training there. Um, and today, so I landed in a marketing position after college, which I did not love. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I had a daughter, I have a daughter, Nia, and had to pay the bills. And it was my dream for the longest, like, I just want to write and get paid to write, like, that's really all I want. And um, because I had so much marketing experience, I was able to tie that to writing. So my first position after the marketing agency I worked at was um, a content marketing manager. Um, and it was that was exactly what, you know, it was it was good for me to, to do. So that's what I am now today on the daily. I'm a content writer. Um, but aside from that, well, I have a business, Copy and Content Boutique, which I had to use. I had to use that business to get clout, to get clips, so that people would trust me as a writer, and so that I could move from that marketing position to the job as a content writer. So I love my my business baby, Copy and Content Boutique. I'm not doing as much of the business now because. I also have three children's books. <laughs> um, Girl, You Are Magic was the first. Boy, You Are Brilliant, the second. And the third, uh, I Am Not Afraid of Spiders, which um, came out this year. I love that. So I'm going to go back and kind of try to remember to follow my trail of thoughts. Um, I appreciate so much of how you shared your story. And I 
um, I get to sit with so many different people in so many different capacities. And I, I, I'm building this, this mental database and I can now more easily point out themes and patterns that seem to resonate across a wide variety of folks. And um, one of them that I can appreciate is that right in, it seems like while probably very much part of who you were created to be, writing was given to you as a gift. Mm-hmm. And it it is something about the things that are given to us as gifts. Now, <laughs> let's be clear. Trauma can also be given as a gift, okay? So I'm lumping <laughs> all true. of this in together. <laughs> it's not the it's not the result or the thing itself that I am considering the gift. It is the act of someone giving us something as a way to alleviate some discomfort, pain, or stress. <laughs> and so some of us were given people pleasing as a gift. Someone around us gave us this thing that said, hey, if you do this, it can alleviate some of your suffering. And those words will probably not be used. But when people say, well, just do what they want, just just make them happy. That was the, the it, OK, here it is. I'm changing my word. Not gift inheritance. Inheritance. inheritance that we've been given. And so mm-hmm. in your story, what I hear is like this inheritance of writing that was given to you by your mother to alleviate some of your suffering of not being heard or being mm-hmm. small or not being an introvert. I am so appreciating meeting introverts and having good conversations with them because I am not. Um, <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not as extroverted as I had to perform to be. So in my authenticity, I realized that I was always, you know, if you go skill zero to 10, I was 10 all the time. And in my authenticity, I I have settled back from 10, but I'm still a seven. (laughs) I'm still (laughs) out there. So I really have enjoyed getting to know and understand introverts. And I can also imagine that just birth order, you know, the cultural impact of gendered responsibility, the whole nine. Mm -hmm. And then you're given this inheritance of writing. And it sounds like it was a gift, something that you know, you enjoyed, you made a comment that like really hit me. I feel like one of my littles inside was like, huh? You said you, you're reflecting on how safe writing was for you. Mm -hmm. A place to, you know, make mistakes. You said a place to talk about your foot. Like, and I experienced such the opposite. (laughs) Writing terrified me. Because really? I was, con- yes, I was consciously worried that someone would find it. What mm-hmm. I learned, my inheritance also was performance. Like at some point I picked up on the fact that in different ways, but still the same, my parents valued performance. So I learned to perform. And the mm-hmm. thing about a performance, I've lived in a life full of improv. And the thing about my voice is if I were saying something if I were telling a story about myself I learned how to hone in really 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 clearly on the slightest shifts in facial expression body language tone physical displays of leaning in or leaning away I I could hone in on that and the thing about my voice is if I'm telling a story and I notice a shift in you I can adjust that story spot on spot Mm -hmm. on I can adjust like bam there it is writing 
it, it is what it is. And that, mm-hmm. um, which you don't know me very well, but I haven't thought about like, this is all coming out of my mouth fresh, it's fresh, like as I'm talking. <laughs> so I'm still processing it through because I wasn't even going to say all this when I first started. Really, I was going to say, I was just afraid somebody was going to find it. And because my trauma happened so early and I, I, but I didn't call, I didn't know it as trauma. I didn't know it as bad things that had happened to me. I just knew this was my life. There was still a part of me through, because of shame and all these other things that were so afraid to put mm. things down on paper because what if someone found it and now this present revelation of and then I can't go back and alter it so I do remember having like diaries journals and I would write about other people really mm. me but someone else I remember specifically writing something like I had this dream that this happened but it really happened but I I framed it as a dream in my diary because of this fear that someone would find it. And as I talk about this, I think about my experience at women writing. One, it it was helpful to have a structure to encourage me to write. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, all of my writing, I, I took the Wednesday class and all of my writing took place on Wednesday. So just to let you know, it just, <laughs> I just need to make sure there. Um, free, uh, free writing has become a part of my everyday routine. So it, it gave Same. me so much, so yes. much. But what I realized Uh, well what I'm realizing now (laughs) is I kind of in some ways hacked the system even when I was in woman writing because the thing about it is you do your writing but you share by reading your writing to others and what I found is one I I'm just not a proofreader I'm not gonna go back and read that thing I'm just not Mm -hmm. but because I have done so much work to perfect my speaking voice I edit as I read and so as I'm reading I don't have to read what's there I read what I want to be there and because Mm -hmm. I'm such a good storyteller you know so I can do it on the spot one of my really good friends is an introvert and listen she was gracious enough to say I want to give the speech at your wedding and I'm like what okay of course yes because I know that's not her thing (laughs) But she would later tell me if she has to speak publicly, she has to write down every single word and she is meticulous about it. And when I say I fly off the cuff every day, all day, every day, all day. <laughs> so it is just interesting. I, I don't want to pin all the differences on introvert, extrovert, but I found that that was such an interesting dynamic that I learned to, I can, I can manipulate a story towards my safety with my voice mm. but with my writing it, it felt so permanent and then what if someone misunderstood it if I say something and you look confused I can use more words to help you understand what I'm saying if I write something and you don't understand it you're going to go forth with a misunderstanding mm. of what I was trying to communicate so I'm saying all this to say writing is scary <laughs> to me okay <laughs> it's scary so but you have made a life for yourself and what I consider to be a very scary arena so what are some of the things that you do that nurtures your confidence in your in your inheritance which is writing well I mean I think what you do is scary (laughs) the talking off the cuff um that terrifies me unless I'm speaking about something I'm very you know I have an authority over I know it I get it 
somebody threw me on a panel at Books by the Banks and they were like, we want you to talk about writing and publishing. Well, I know that stuff. I can talk about that. Um, but similar to what you said, like being able to edit your voice and see the response of something that you say, I do that in writing. It just takes a lot of practice. So I'm so fortunate to be able to write you know, for my work every day, because I can bounce things off of other writers and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or even, you know, the project managers that I work with, like, this is what I have, you know, is this good for the audience that we're trying to reach? Um, if you don't understand it, then a lot of people probably won't. So just really asking a lot of questions, like even when I have books, you know, taking them to a feedback circle or giving them to moms, because I wrote a book about boys and I don't have a, a boy child. So I gave them, I gave the books to three boy moms and I was like, read this with your sons. Please let me know what you think. Did they like it? Did they react? Did they respond? And, you know, without that feedback, I don't think I would have had as, as good of a product because I, you know, I want to write from an authentic place and, and I want to serve the audience that I'm intending to serve. Um, one of the things that you said, though, kind of stuck out to me. It's like when you write, it's, you know, there's a permanence to it. But I would just add that, you know, a lot of the writing that we do, sometimes it's just for us. You know, like I have journals on journals probably since I was in middle school, high school, and nobody knows where they are but me, you know, so if they find them and, you know, I'm passed on, like, okay, that's fine. I don't have to deal with the aftermath. <laughs> so um, I've already given my daughter instructions, like when you find my journals, they're yours mm -hmm. to keep. You don't have to share them, but if you want to share them, if you think there could be something that comes of them, you're welcome to do that. I'm gone, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't... <laughs> but yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, people talk about writing genres and, you know, who you're writing for. So much of my initial writing, like what I'm starting out, you know, writing every morning or at night before I go to bed, it's mine. And then once I clear that out, I can write on projects or I can write for, you know, for children or for whoever. Um, so it's just a kind of a discernment kind of thing, I think is what I'm, I've also maybe been gifted with when it comes to writing. Mm, I love that so much. The, the vulnerability and getting feedback on your craft. I just want to name that as like a vulnerable process, um, <laughs> but necessary, but necessary. Like I, I manage a lot of the copy for my website and same thing. It's like, does this make sense to you, a person who's not? Because I know what I'm thinking about when I'm writing this thing and it is crystal clear. <laughs> the vision is becoming clearer. And it's so helpful to get people to be like, so what? <laughs> to be like, oh, okay, wait. So maybe I didn't clearly um, communicate that. And so I appreciate that so much. And being able to write from this authentic space. What was um, some of the motivation for you choosing children's books as kind of, the work that you focused on for a period of time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, my daughter, number one reason. Um, so I, she had a bullying episode when she was probably in the 
fourth or fifth grade, um, somebody, another student called her stupid. And when she came home and told me about it, I was like, but wait a minute, he doesn't know you. You skipped kindergarten and you are in a gifted class. So that doesn't even make sense. So I wrote this poem to kind of reaffirm her, like, you're magical. You can do so many things. You can do anything you put your mind to. And you need to know who you are before you let anybody tell you who you are. And so once I wrote this poem, I was like, I told a friend who happens to be a graphic designer. I said, do you think this could be a book? Like, I really feel strongly about what's happening in this poem. I think it's really good. And she's like, uh, absolutely. And so she hooked me up with uh, an illustrator. And she's actually a layout designer as well. So she said, I'll lay it out. You know, Leo, draw the pictures. This is going to be a thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go. <laughs> I always wanted to, you know, write a book or books. Um, I never knew how that would come to fruition. When I was younger, I was so interested in magazines. But, you know, you have a plan for your life and then God has a bigger master plan. So magazines are like, you know, not really even here. You know, they don't have the prevalence they had when I was younger, but books are forever. And I still have, you know, I was at, again, at Books by the Banks this year and I had people come up and say, oh, I had your first book. I didn't know you had two more. I'm going to get those too. And so just thinking about like the, the create, you know, what I created that, you know, then was a launch pad for other creations and then to know that it was well-received, um, just, you know, continued affirmation com or confirmation that, yeah, you're in the right place. Keep going. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, I love writing children's books. They're not as easy <laughs> as people think. Um, my oh, I'm not people. Books, I don't yeah, think Oh, easy. yeah. Some people think they're easy. And some people do put out children's books that, you know, I don't know if children are liking these or not. Like, I mean, no offense to anybody who's writing you know, all writing is not good writing though, but I really put a lot into my books and what I do and the messages that they send to children and to anybody that reads them. So um, I love the ability to have a message, right? So you're magic. You can do anything you, you put your mind to. Have that message and want to share it, but do it in a fun, you know, fun way that sticks with you. And, you know, this last one, I'm not afraid of spiders. It's like, I love that it's creating a conversation because so many people are afraid of spiders. So let's talk about why are we afraid of spiders? What did they do to you? Why, you know, is it just because they're ugly and hairy and, you know, black? Like, well, there's a lot of people that are different from you. You know, what did they do to you? Why are you afraid of them? Why do you want to hurt them? So I love having this, you know, this message that I want to share and then finding a creative way to explain that so, so much so that a child could understand and have fun while understanding it. Mm -hmm. Hey, y'all, I just wanted to take a quick break to shout out my friend, Kara Michelle Pearson from Lilac and Indigo. They nourish your body and your spirit through mindful creativity. Listen, I have collaborated with Kara on multiple occasions, all the way from guided meditation experiences to her creating pop-up wellness spaces within events 
And she has these beautifully curated mindful creativity kits. They are the bomb, y'all. So if you're looking for something to gift someone special in your life, or you have an event coming up and you need someone to wrap regulation and creativity within that event, you definitely want to check out Lilac and Indigo. Head over to their website at lilacandindigo.com. And if you end up using the code LOLPOD, you'll get 15% off your services and products. So check it out. Well, a couple of things. One, I just want to like point out that your daughter came home and told you. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's a message all wrapped up in there. There are so many children who don't come home and tell because the nature of the relationship that has been developed between caregiver and child has not fostered the safety that that child Ooh. needs to be able to come home and say this bad thing is happening. And so when we right look- there from a parenting perspective so this ties in also when you said hey here's this message that you're writing about I I I try to as a parent myself and as I work with people who have children or are responsible for the care of children I'm constantly asking the question what's the unintended consequence so like when we go to do a thing say a thing not do a thing not say a thing there is a clear cut intention that we have in our mind about what we're trying the message we're trying to receive but if we don't pause and go and what is the unintended consequence what i mean by that is here is my intention how else might they take it how mm. else might this be perceived i'm giving this message but what messages are combining with this message because what we know about human development and what we know about kids is sometimes they miss the very bold message mm-hmm. <laughs> i ain't even gonna put that on kids i'm gonna say this is just how we work imagine going if you go in if you listen to anybody that as you're listening to them the intent of this listening is to gather information so if you go to church and you listen to a word that's preached over the pulpit, if you listen to podcasts, if you go to a training, know that the people who are doing these things have set things they want you to learn. They're even oftentimes spelled out in regards to learning objectives. But you can sit in that thing, and the thing that is not even the topic is the sentence or the word you hone in on, and you stop listening because Hmm. that thing was for you in that moment. This happens with our children all the time. You have determined, I'm going to teach my child responsibility. Okay, so you do all these things based on your perception of what how you want them to learn responsibility. But what they're taking away are these things that you didn't even intend, which is if I haven't met the expectation of my parents, I can't bring the pain because we'll say that to kids, you know, Mm -hmm. they're hurting in some way. And then we're like, well, what did you do or what didn't you do? Which if that's the first thing, they will learn responsibility. But trust me, people pay me a lot of money to help them unwind their over responsibility. Mm -hmm. Because because yes. because we are we're giving children too much credit for being able to read our minds and our intentions and synthesize information. So I just wanted to point that out. You know, as a person who never came home to tell people what the bad things that were happening, I remember one time I got jumped. I don't know if I ever told this story. Like I, I for real got jumped. Like me, y'all, <laughs> by like three <laughs> girls. I was ten. Oh my god! And I know it, it. So many things in life. It's amazing the things. Like oh yeah, that happened too. But yeah, this happened. And I, I still, I don't, I have no idea why, because I was a people pleaser. (laughs) My (laughs) whole existence was pleasing people. Apparently I didn't please these girls. And they, they jumped me from like a moving jump from like this store all the way back to the recreation center that I was in. So anyway, 
but the interesting thing about it is like assault and violence of any form is a transference of a lot of things and one of them is shame so if you look at the bullies or the people who instigate and start fights, oftentimes rooted very deeply down there is shame. And some of that unbearable shame gets transferred to the person. And then in our culture, we have a blame the victim culture that always asks the question, why did you or why didn't you? So similarly, I now feel terribly ashamed as a little 10-year-old girl. You know, there we 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 walk past a grocery store. So all of my Detroit people, you got to take it all the way back to when Farmer Jack was our primary grocery store in Detroit. And like there were adults and I, I can remember hearing some voices saying things like, hey, stop that. Like, don't do that. Like there was like a verbal intent to protect me, but ain't nobody stepping in. And so now I'm carrying the shame. And I eventually I did like tell my mom and dad. But then I think about all the things that I didn't tell them, especially if I deemed it not worthy. But the fact that your daughter, that this word from a peer was such that she could understand it to be such an indictment or a contradiction to how she had come to know herself or how you know her, that she would tell you that I think is huge. Um, so I wanted to name that as well as like this idea that, um, Right. Writing children's books is easy. So like, listen, there is a reason I work ages 14 and up. <laughs> and it's not because I don't have the skill or desire for younger children to alleviate the sufferings of trauma, but it costs me so much to translate my authenticity into something a child can understand. Yes. And so if that is just having a conversation and I've done it, especially within families, I work with younger children and I'm good at it, but I'm exhausted after because I can talk, look, give me somebody with a a complete (laughs) prefrontal cortex and and we going in, but now you want me to talk to a kid that got 11 more years, 20 more years before their actual thinking brain is at full capacity and try to make this thing relatable. So kudos to people who write children's books because oftentimes they're not kids. <laughs> it's not a kid who's writing the book for another kid. You know, it's an adult who's sending this message. And so I I absolutely love that. What is your children's response to your books? Well, I've had children look me in the face and say, you really inspire me. Hmm. And there's nothing like it. Let me tell you, I've had children who read Girl, You Are Magic when they were younger, you know, come back and tell, I love your book. I read it every day. Like, it's just like, oh my God, you know, like, it's just, you can't replace that feeling with any amount of money. You know, it's just so, so satisfying that the children, the intendants, intended audience you wrote this message for is getting it um the the boy you are brilliant book was we used it for or the boy choir used it to kind of translate a concert you know in response to the book and even the you know the director he's like when I read it you know my chest was you know out a few inches that day and I'm like oh my gosh like it means so much to me when I get you know these this this validation I don't want to say validation but just get this confirmation that what I'm writing 
is it's working it's reaching the people that it needs to reach and it's doing the work that you know I've been sent to do I guess I would say it's not even it's not even what's the word it's beyond me it's above me it's not just I'm doing this for my own self-gratification it's like I'm just grateful that I'm being used to do something that needs to be done I love that um Christmas is coming up and I have bought your books to gift my children. And so I'm excited for, for them to get that. How do your own children respond to your work? So my daughter, Nia, she's, I don't even know how to explain. (laughs) She's a little stoic, right? She's not like super excitable. Um, But I think she, she's kind of probably tired of hearing girl you are magic now because I know it by heart so when she gets you know down I'll recite it to her and she's like mom like shut up but I think you know when it first came out I think it was you know it was exactly what she needed to hear um and then in my family just you know the nieces and younger cousins it was a huge response and like this is you know they all bought t-shirts and had me sign the t-shirts so Yeah, I feel like somebody told me, you know, she's not, she doesn't get it now, but when she gets older, she's really going to appreciate what you've done. And I'm like, okay, I'll wait. Mm -hmm. I'll look forward to receiving that. (laughs) She's 15 now. Mm -hmm. And she was about nine or 10 when I wrote the book. Gotcha. And I don't know what other people's experiences are, but I've come to realize that, and not even in an intentional way, but I'm like, sometimes I feel like my kids, people putting the least respect on my name. Like, right? Hello. Like, come. I'm telling you to take a deep breath and you fight me. I'm like, people pay me to walk them through breathing. And you over here. Come on. Like, exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> and like, she, so jokingly, but like, it's so real, right? Like, you're, cause your mom is just your mom, yep. you know? Like she went to a writing workshop one time and I'm like, oh, for real? Like, oh, you you liked what they were talking about there? Like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool, I guess. <laughs> it, it It is a place we come or a place at least I have had to come where I realize like, as long as they hear it, if they got to hear it from me, because there, there seems to be a block that certain things are not. So we got to outsource things like, you know, this whole yeah. school thing, we gonna find you a tutor because you can hear <laughs> them. You can't hear me. When I recognize, particularly with my son, who's old as he's 13, the filter through which he hears my voice, I think brings in things that are not my intent. And I will own that some of this is probably developed throughout the course of our relationship and all the, all the things and all the influence. But like, the the tone he hears is is not the tone I hear when I'm speaking it, but I realize like I can't shift that. But then I still do that with my mama. Like sometimes yeah. I have to pause and be like, pause. Like my filter's funky. Like can yeah. I just take her <laughs> words to be what her words are and stop adding this, you know, this younger part of me put on the tone that she had when I was 13. And I'm like, okay, that's it. So I get it because it's an, it's an existence I have, you know, there, but it is just so interesting that when we as parents do the thing, do whatever we're doing, we could literally, and many of us are out here changing the world. Our kids know us as parents caregiver whatever and yeah. and it's it's just so interesting I remember this summer having an event 
that I was going to, which was kind of chill, just getting a bunch of people who uh, do similar work together through my friend, Sarah Buffy, who was just bringing people together. She's really a connector. And at one point I said, yeah, I need you to come with me. I told my son, you coming. Cause I need you to see me in the public. I need you to see how people see me. Cause I, yes. one, I think you might think I'm different in public and I'm not. So like the, the way I engage him in the silly thing, I think for him, it was like, so you, you for real out here doing this in public. Like, yes, one, <laughs> I need you to see that. Like I have grown to the point that what I am at home, I am in public, but I also just want you to see people's response because yes. you can only see me through your lens. And and it's not that I just, there's a part of me like, I want you to know me too. You know, my, mm-hmm. my platform is largely authenticity. And I say the people who know me the best outside of my partner and like my really close friends are anybody who listens to this podcast on a consistent basis. Because this is my platform to just be real. My kids mm-hmm. ain't listening to my my podcast I I want to be known by them as well and I've seen so many examples personally and just in the world at large that there seems to be this thing where parents feel like they have to be perfect or be a super be some image of something for their kids to admire or look up to or not question and I just want to be real I want y'all yeah. to see me as the real human that I am. Please don't put me on a pedestal. Please don't give me more responsibility than mm-hmm. I need to live up to something in your head. Just meet mommy where she at. And it's, I think it's a tall ask um, for us. It is. Kids, but yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like it wasn't until I was an adult, you know, that I could see my mom as another adult and really understand, you know, take that filter off and understand like, she has her own set of experiences and traumas and things that, you know, she had to deal with. And that's why she's coming from this place. You know, it took a long time for me to get there. So I do agree. That's a tall ask. I do the same thing. I take her with me um, because it's just like, yeah, I want you to see, like, I'm not this time that I spend away or, you know, like I'm doing real things that make a real difference. (laughs) And I want you to witness that. And you might not appreciate it now but at some point you will mm-hmm. you know and yeah and to see like I might just be your mom to you but there's there's purpose there's there's other things for me also out in the world you know it's I'm not a one dimensional mm-hmm. character side character in your movie <laughs> yeah like low beat not very well written one-dimensional character at that (laughs) (laughs) you know I get that and I I appreciate being seen in that moment that like it's a that other people resonate with that it reminded me of something that's I want to move back to the top of my to-do list um in college I had a professor professor uh Glenda Dickerson who she shifted trajectory for me she was just one of those people that um I mean I ended up with my minor or concentration in theater just because I want to keep taking her classes like I wasn't necessarily trying to achieve anything I just had so many credits it was like oh um and we stayed in touch a little bit after I graduated and then uh, you know I now realize that she's passed away when I went to look for her and like oh heartbroken and I want to reach out to her daughter who we heard about in class but we never <laughs> met um who yeah and I I just want her to know the impact that her mom had on me and I'm just one person because 
as this thing too, what Professor Dickerson said in class one day, this was right after 9-11 and she was putting together this organic show around it and I'm her student and I'm this whole thing, right? And she was bringing in other people and I don't remember her exact words, but she pretty much said, y'all just see me as Professor Dickerson. Like it's people out there who would kill to work with me. She was the second black woman to produce on Broadway. She was just the bomb. Now, now I can understand the, 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 the hugeness of that now, but when I was in her class, I didn't, I'm like, Professor D, what you talk like? You just <laughs> Professor Dickerson. And it wasn't until later that it's like, no, she, how in the world that I find my way into her sphere that she knew me and important to me personally. And she, and now you see the big deal that she was. So I can Mm -hmm. even imagine that her daughter, you know, that was just her mom. Like she got to be your mom. So I want to push that up, but I also hope that it, it can help people also, um, know that like it's helpful for us I'm gonna lump you in if you want to opt out of this statement please feel free to do so but as those who are content creators those who have um, work that leaves us and we can't control what happens to it once it leaves when y'all listen to this podcast I have no control over how that goes if you're listening in a still space you can really take it in or if you're on your commute and you miss a few words and you come back I have no control once the product leaves, it's put out there, like Ashley's book, like all of these things. But I always say for myself, it is helpful for us to get feedback. Yeah. Because sometimes, not maliciously, but sometimes the people around us, they swim in our gifts. They mm-hmm. bask in our essence all day long. Oh, yeah. They get comfortable with this is just what it is. So they start to take for granted sometimes the powerful word, the powerful imagery, the ability to put into words, like all of that stuff. They don't mean to be hurtful, but it just is what it is. It's like the air they breathe. And that can have an impact sometimes like, man, okay, is this even hidden? So when we get the feedback or when I get the feedback, I'll speak for me. It's always helpful to just get that confirmation. Like, okay, okay, I'm still out. Okay, it still matters. I love, I, you know, one of my intentions last year for this year was creative people who are friends because I want that constructive criticism. Like, tell me, don't just tell me it's good that I did a thing. Like, tell me about it. How does it make you feel? You know, are there words that don't fit? Like, give it to me because I can take it. I do it every day. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I love that. And, and, you know, I'm grateful that I have gotten those people in my life that can, that will give it to me straight, you know? So needed. I prefer it that way. And it's also, at least for me, getting comfortable with that was part of my process of going through women writing for a change. Like mm. <clears throat> knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on heart gut. <laughs> give me some heart gut. Yes. <clears throat> but also like, seeing the impact of my words, but having people who aren't just going to be like, oh, that's good. Like, okay, if your analysis is good, I'm going to need a lot of specifics about what was good about it. If I'm going to duplicate something because it's good, but I don't know what part is good, going back to parenting, how often do we use these very blanketed, shameful words towards kids? Bad, don't do that. Um, Which part? 
Because for a toddler, you're calling bad. They have done about 10 things in this moment. They're breathing. Mm-hmm. They're walking, they're touching something, they can hear something. So you expect them to be able as a toddler to take all of the things that are happening around them and identify which one you decided to just simply call bad. Yeah. So because they can't pinpoint mm-hmm. it to a thing they did, it becomes who they are. We yes. Yeah. That, right? yeah, that is so, somebody said, you are not your work. Your work is a part of you. It's something that you've done, but it's not, that's not that alone is not who you are and that's that's something that stuck with me descriptive praise is important descriptive criticism is important because it lets people know exactly what you're talking about you go out to dinner and then you leave a review I you know it was bad well what was bad because maybe you had a component of your dish that was not to your liking but now you've turned the component of that dish into the ambiance the atmosphere the service the cleanliness mm-hmm. you've lumped all that in and so somebody who's reading a view is like well I don't review I don't want to go to a bad restaurant when really your potato was overcooked can you just say that <laughs> like I'm not saying <laughs> don't be honest about your experience if it's an experience with yes, me say what it is but Let's... be be specific now we also didn't learn this because many of us weren't even able to give feedback let alone be asked for feedback and when we unconsciously gave feedback like our body language or our tone of voice shifted we were shamed into yes. believing we were disrespectful oh my gosh yes Yes, it was like, I used to say, I didn't learn what my voice sounded like until I was in my 30s, because that was when somebody actually wanted to hear it. When I worked on a three-person team, and I realized, oh, I need to say something. They're paying me for my opinion. They're paying me to contribute and to speak up. But I was so used to just burying myself, you know, because it's like, whenever I did say something, or I did make a face, or like you said, we were shamed you know, for, for responding or reacting, giving feedback, we do, that is a definitely something that has to be learned and positively reinforced mm-hmm. as well. Giving the opportunity for people to genuinely talk about what they're experiencing, knowing that you don't have to like it for it to be true. It doesn't have to be true for you to, for, it doesn't have to be true for you in order for you to listen. Like there are so many things we don't learn growing up that then, you know, feel like deficits when we're older, but if we didn't have the opportunity to try in in practice. So it's okay to speak your truth. We can also say it without making it a definitive. I can speak from my perspective. This is how I experienced this last chapter of your book, Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean it's bad. It's like if I go to a restaurant and I recognize that the, the flavor profile didn't appeal to me, but it didn't make it bad food. There are so many people who would enjoy this. So I can speak to my experience of it. And I just think that's important when we are able to do that for ourselves, teach those around us to to do that. When we're always the giver of feedback, but we don't want to take any. When we're always Mm -hmm. the receiver of feedback, but don't want to give any. That creates these dynamics that people are like trying to figure out what that is. So I really appreciate that because also with writing, there's editing. And there's like all these things that take your baby. And yes. go, um, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, what about this? And it, I was terrified of it at first. Um, and I won't say it's all gone away, but what, what being in a writing community, 
if you are a writer or you're considering writing, finding you a writing community is huge. I began to realize that my voice was very powerful and I was gifted in and being very descriptive and stuff. And so part of it is sometimes we also try to figure out, well, what's my gift? What's this? Sometimes we figure that out by allowing other people to give us feedback so it can reinforce it. You start hearing the same message from three, four, five people saying the same thing. That's probably something you can go, oh, there's something here, even if it wasn't your intent. So I love community. <clears throat> We're talking about writing today, but in anything, in creative things and whatever it is community is is essential so important and yeah I it's like it's funny I told my daughter like I want to start a community of black writers in the city you know I really just want to be surrounded by that same type of energy and she of course this the person she is why so you can have more meetings that you don't want to go to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe I wouldn't. And I was be. like, uh, touche. <laughs> so maybe I'll start like an online, you know, chat community or something like that. Our kids have the capacity to keep us so honest. Maybe like every when, single day. When we give them the freedom to be themselves and to show us how they experience us, it's a mirror that sometimes I don't want to look into. But it is a mirror nonetheless, and I am grateful (laughs) for it, even when it's time it brings me to tears because I'm laughing so hard. Sometimes it brings (laughs) me to tears because it's revealed something in me that I never wanted to do or say, but here I am and I've done it. And so now I have to repair the rupture. So I I love so much of this. So as we (laughs) start to wrap up, um, is there anything I didn't ask or anything we didn't talk about that would just be helpful for you to let the listeners know it could be about yourself, about the writing in general or anything? Yeah, I think um, if if there's anyone who is curious about women writing for a change, I am on the board. I'm a huge advocate of women writing. So if anybody ever has any questions about it, I'd be happy to talk about it with them. Um, also, like, I mentioned a little bit before we started, you know, I am, I'm a multi-genre writer. So if my next few projects aren't children's books, don't be surprised. Um, I've been working on a memoir about my life as a single mother for quite some time. And I'm hoping this is the year, but you know, we're gonna, (laughs) um, it's just a lot. That's also a labor of love for sure is just telling that story and, seeing what comes of it but yeah I I want to write everything I encourage writers happy to answer questions about writing um and yeah I, I just yeah this has been this has been great I also you know for people who are interested in children's books and and getting theirs off the ground I get approached a lot um by people who are interested in writing children's books Happy to talk about that if you see me. Um, but I also have a contact form on my website. Um, you can reach out to me. And I do respond to email. I probably don't respond to that phone number that's on there. And I got to figure out how to get that off. But I do respond to email. So, yeah, my voicemail say don't leave a message. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's website or email. So <laughs> I relate to that so much. <laughs> Ashley, please drop uh, your website on any socials that you have for people to find you. And we'll definitely have them in the show notes. 
Absolutely. So my website is ashleyiaferguson.com. Um, my social on Instagram is the same, Ashley Aya Ferguson on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook. You can find me there. You can send me a message there. Um, I don't have like a an assistant or anything. I'm not that big yet, but for now, I'll answer. And I like I love helping people with writing. So please, yeah, please definitely reach out to me. I love that. Thank you. As you're closing looked like it was blowing some dust off of my memoir there was something in me that was like you might want to revisit that I'm like oh she oh yeah you're right since we're talking (laughs) about things we should be writing or mm, things that I know that are in me that need to get out I appreciate that um I will I just want to say finally that um it was also through women writing that I was able to that I finally was able to call myself a writer Mm -hmm. um before it was just someone I was someone who enjoyed writing Um, And so there was an identity marker that happened for me over those few years where I realized that it wasn't something that I just enjoyed to do, but part of my identity is a writer. So I can just really appreciate. Yes, um, I love that. I'd love to hear that. Yes. So Ashley, I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to not only talk to us about, you know, your works um, that we already have access to, but just giving us a little bit of the background information into what drives you as a writer. And we look forward to your multi-genre future projects (laughs) that we can definitely uh, stay in, stay in touch with. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an amazing conversation. So yeah, I'll keep you posted on whatever comes next. I love it. Thank you. I want to give a shout out to Trey Angel. He does all the music for the Labors of Love podcast. And as always, sending some love to my producer, Jay Sugg from Instant Classic Media. And y'all know, I love you, my listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Um, You know, I just, I look at the numbers and I'm astounded weekly how many times you intentionally click on to listen to me and the amazing guests that I bring on. So thank y'all. Don't forget to head over to my Patreon if you want to provide support for my continued ongoing work that you get at no cost to you. But I want to remind y'all it costs me and it costs my family. So I would love the support as well as check out all the social media platforms that we're on. If you're listening to this and you have yet to give us that five-star rating, please do that before you exit your vehicle or move on to your next task so that people can know that we're out here. And don't forget to uh, share the podcast with your loved ones and friends until we connect again. You all be well.